0: Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. It is a beautiful day in Columbus, Georgia to worship God. I know as we inch into the fall, we are looking for some relief from our heat-soaked lives. And in the same way, I invite you to open yourself to the refreshing and renewing power of God's Holy Spirit. We're glad you're here, come on in. Our first reading this morning is taken from Matthew 24, verses 32 and 33. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from the book of Genesis. Genesis. We are in chapter 28. I'm going to read just verses 10 through 22. This is what we know as Jacob's ladder. Listen again with fresh ears, Genesis 28, 10 through 22. Listen for the word of the Lord. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night Because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring, and to your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all of the families of the earth shall be blessed in you, in your offspring. Know that I am with you. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've started on a journey today. Our stoles are different colors. Our drapings are purple. That is a sign of this season. We see our Advent wreath that the Becerras lit for us this morning. Four, we will light one each week as we get closer to Christmas and the coming of the Christ child. We see a few other signs of an incoming season a couple of small trees but not yet fully adorned because Advent is a time of preparation. We don't start the first Sunday in Advent and sing Christmas carols and are in Bethlehem automatically. We wait, it is building, it is anticipation. Each week there will be more that you will see build in the sanctuary and over here with our Advent in plain sight Again, thanks to Andrew, there's an object every week that we will focus on and work our worship and our study around as a church family. So we are preparing. We have four weeks preparing for the coming of the Christ child. What is exactly does that mean and where do we start this first Sunday of Advent? Advent. Well, let's look at Jacob's ladder. Not one that we hear often in setting the mood for Advent, but this is where we are today, and I think it does a great job. So let's take a look, and let's access what we know about Jacob. Jacob's brother was Esau, right? They had conflict from the start. Esau was born first, but Jacob coming right behind him. The supplanter, they called him. And their father, Isaac, and mother, Rebecca had raised them both. Esau was very different, outdoorsman, very hairy. And that's important to the story in a bit. Jacob was pretty much an indoor guy, liked to stay with his mama, nothing wrong with that. And was smooth and not hairy. And we know a couple of things at this point in our story. If you remember the Jacob and Esau stories, one of them is that Esau is, again, an outdoorsman, hunting, huntsman. He's out. He's out for days and weeks, months, years. We don't know. But when he comes back, friends, he is hungry. He is hangry. He wants something to eat. Jacob's got it. Got the pot, cooking it up. Smells it. Got to have me some of that, Esau says. Esau says, Jacob, give me some of that. I've I've been out, I am famished, I am starving. Jacob says, sure, bro, if you sell me your birthright. And Esau, so hungry, and Jacob apparently such the good cook that he does, willingly gives away his birthright to his younger brother, and conflict is starting already. Then we know what will happen next. The father Isaac is near blind and he has the traditional blessing of the firstborn, which would be Esau. And Rebekah, the mother conspires with Jacob and says, you need to go and trick your father into giving you the blessing of the firstborn. And that's what they do. So Jacob pretends to be his brother Esau How does he do that? Well, he straps on animal skin so he too looks hairy like his older brother. Puts on his clothes so he smells like his older brother. Siblings, I want you to go home and try this. Put on each other's clothes and no, actually don't do that. So Jacob comes in pretending to be his brother Esau. Isaac doesn't know any better because he can't see. He feels, oh, you must, yes, Esau. Oh, yeah, it's definitely Esau. And he says, Father, give me your blessing. And Isaac gives him the blessing of the firstborn. Why can't he just do it again? Can't do that. There is one blessing for the firstborn. And that's when things erupt. Esau is well within his rights to kill his brother and his family. And so at this point, and Isaac tells him to go find a wife. And so Jacob takes off. And before we get to the point where Jacob wrestles with the angel, that's a little bit later. And before we get to the point where Jacob meets Laban, his uncle, and goes through the whole Leah and Rachel, seven years, seven years. He got tricked as well in that whole process. We are right here between Beersheba and Haran. Jacob is on his own. He is exposed. He is afraid of his brother He doesn't know what's going to happen. He lays down for the night, apparently not so disturbed that he can't go to sleep. Pulls out one of those soft, fluffy rocks, puts his head on it, drifts off to sleep, and then there's a vision, a dream. He sees what looks like a ladder could be translated a stairway or a ramp and he sees angels ascending and descending a little highway of angels going up and down and the angels really play no part other than to signify that something amazing is going on here they don't speak they don't interact they're just doing their thing on the ladder or this stairway or this ramp sees them coming and going as if to bridge heaven uh, on the top and then Earth on the bottom. And then it says, is God way up in the clouds like Jack and the beanstalk and the giant up there? He's only up there. No, it says God stands beside Jacob who was there on there, stands beside him. He's not up the ladder in God's heavenly kingdom, palace, throne, whatever that looks like. He is there beside Jacob. And says... Jacob, I'm reaffirming the covenant I made with your father, Isaac, and grandfather, Abraham. I'm making that covenant again with you. I will be with you everywhere you go, and all people will be affected and a part of this amazing family that I called into being with your grandfather with the initial covenant. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and now Jacob, and eventually he'll pick up Rachel and Leah and a few others. Reaffirming the covenant. And that's it. Then all of this disappears, and Jacob wakes up and says, oh, how awesome is this place? He doesn't say, what a great dream I have, that was pretty neat. He said, no, this place, it was an appearance of God in that place to him. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. This place he had an encounter with God. It was what we call a thin place. Those places Vicky talked about Montreat, special places that you go, maybe it's at the lake, maybe it's in the woods, maybe it is on your porch, maybe it is in worship. Those places where you feel closer to God, those are thin places because there's not very much that separates heaven from earth. You feel the presence of God. And that's what Jacob encountered. So he takes his stone pillow And he pours oil over it, which stains it so that those who come in the future can see. He builds it up into a little pillar or an altar. So again, that those who come behind him will come and see that this is a place of God and a house of God. Bethel, Beth-el, house is Beth and El, one of the meanings, one of the names for God in uh, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. So it became a holy place, but God won't be contained there. God says, I'll be with you when you go. Lifting up how important our places of worship are, that God is in these and all worship places dedicated to God, Jesus, in the Holy Spirit. And yet we are to be called out just as Jacob was to go from these places and into the world to do what we've been called to do Jacob's ladder a bridging of heaven and earth how do we look at that on this sunday of advent we look at it as christ in every way when christ is born into the world just like that ladder that ramp, that stairway. Christ bridges the gap from heaven to earth, from our human made-ness to God so that we have a way to God through Christ. So there is access to God through Christ, our gate. There is the presence of God God didn't scream down from the top of the ladder and say, I will be with you. It said it stu- he stood next to him. God is with us in that moment, even when we don't deserve it. At this point, Jacob is a scoundrel. All we know about Jacob from the time he is born is that he messed with his poor brother and undermined him any chance he could, stole significant things from him. But from here on... Jacob changes. Soon his name will be changed to Israel and the 12 tribes will come from he and his, uh, his descendants, his wives, to start the people of Israel, the 12 tribes. This is a changing point. But the good news about that is that God uses us sinners. Jacob wasn't even praying to God. This was all God initiated It's not so far separate from, remember Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, humanity building up to God so we can do it, earn our way and do it ourselves. This is God coming to us, completely initiated by God, not by Jacob. Again, he wasn't praying, save me from my brother. I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm afraid out here all alone. I'm sleeping on a rock and that's okay. No, God comes to him and shows him God's desire is to bridge the gap from heaven and earth, to provide a ladder or a bridge or a gate from one world to another so that we can encounter God through Christ. If you remember uh, in John 10, Jesus as the good shepherd We've talked about this before, but when the shepherd at night goes into the fold, that is a stone gate with an opening. And at night, the shepherd makes sure all the little sheep are in and safe in that enclosure. But there is no swinging gate. There is no metal or wood that bars the doorway. What makes the gate? The shepherd makes the gate they lay down in front of that open space so that if sheep try to get out they have to go over that shepherd and if uh, any predators want to come in and harm the sheep they likewise have to go over the shepherd the shepherd forms the gate and Christ says I am the gate to these shepherd to these sheep and my desire is to give them life and give them life abundantly Christ is the gate. Christ is our access. And all of this is being shaped by a story in Genesis that is foretelling the coming of Christ to serve in these roles. Who will be that ladder? Who will be that gate? That is the coming Christ child who will give us access to God, presence of God, and just plain awesomeness. And Jacob says all of those things. Now, don't forget at the end of this, it's not just preparing for the coming of the Christ child. The second plot that we develop and practice and prepare for is that we also are ready for Christ to come again in the second coming. That's a little more scary than Celebrating baby Jesus. There is this dual track that says, yes, we are remembering how Christ was born, but we are also saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Come to set your people free, we sing. That Christ will come again in the second coming and make all things new to redeem this creation with us as a part of it. So a part of it is more than just the gate. It is more than just Christ's presence, access and awesomeness. It is asking ourselves, if Christ were to come in the next month, would we be ready? God has left us in charge of the house. The master is away. Are we working and will we be ready? That too is another theme that we work with in addition to the coming of the Christ child. So as we begin this Sunday, we are celebrating. We are preparing as we get closer to that amazing birth that changed the world forever. But we are also looking ahead to that second coming that likewise will redeem God's creation. And friends, all of that is good. All of that is awesome and speaks of God providing God's desire and will through Christ as our gate. This is why we hope today, because of what God has done in Christ. Hallelujah, amen.